This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Nadeau. I'm here with Wen Powers, and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, a podcast where every episode we cover one of our absolute favorite things in pop culture, history, and life, but exclusively discuss the worst part of it. Uh, I'm here with Wen, who is a fantastic friend of mine. I'm so excited to be doing this together for our first show. Wen, how about you tell everyone a bit about yourself? First show, first show, first show. I know, so exciting. uh, Yeah, thanks for asking me to do this. Uh, So yeah, my name is Wen Powers. I am a Chicago uh, comic and writer. I contribute to The Onion Sports, and I am doing, well, was doing shows all over town before the air became poison. And uh, yeah, I host a show with Andrew here. We've been buddies for about two years now. We started a show about uh, about a year ago, right? It would have been our year anniversary. Yeah, I think so. Called uh, Spitfire that was hosted out of the I.O. Theater, which also, rest in peace. Yeah. Bad year so far, but at least we got this podcast out of it. Um, so yeah. it's Yeah, I mean, it's we're probably the first people to think of doing a podcasting quarantine. So, you know, good for us. Yeah, it's just us and anyone who's ever been on a TV show ever. So Yeah, they're pretty much just just that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just us and people recapping episodes of The Office. So uh, you made your choice and you ended up on this one. So congratulations. Which I think was the right call. I mean, I really can't tell you how excited I am about this. Oh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here, though I, I'm starting to think that maybe we should have been an Office recap podcast. <laughs> That would have been great. We can do that next. We've got time now. Three members of the Office cast have started Office Rewatch podcasts during this time. Good for them. Two of them on the same one. One has started their own individual one. And then the guy who played Stanley is trying to like crowdfund for a spinoff show about Stanley. It is rough to be an Office alumni during quarantine. Well, yeah, so that that's what's happening in the world. I want to tell you a bit about myself, too, because when in my oh, bio yeah, yeah, yeah. are... That's, that, that should matter. I forgot. Yeah, tell that... us about you, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you so much for that prompt, When I hate talking about myself, but <laughs> with that prompt, how can I resist? Our bios are shockingly similar. I'm also a, a comic and writer in Chicago. Of course, we run uh, Spitfire together. Uh, I also write for The Dad and Netflix Family, and right now I'm run, running a streaming stand-up showcase, Cabin Fever, which you can see every other Saturday on Comedy Hub on Twitch. Yeah, if you love podcasts, they just had uh, Josh Gondelman on, who hosts a fantastic so podcast. Uh, once you're done listening to this one, uh, give that one a listen. He's fantastic. Uh, like, finish this one first, though. Finish this one but, first. But then, don't, yes. don't go over there right now. But he's uh, he's one of my favorites. Y'all have had some really great people. You had Jay Jordan on a few weeks ago, who uh, I think we're going to have on this show here in a few weeks. I'm so excited he's for probably, that one, too. Jay is fantastic. Uh, he's One of the best albums of the year, too. His al- he's, uh, his, he's so good. His album, Y'all, is out. It's fantastic. We're going to plug this album again when he's on. But you know what? Screw it. Free copy for Jay. Uh, his album, Y'all, is out. It's fantastic. He's been on The Tonight Show and Comedy Central. Uh, he's going to come by in a few weeks and talk about one of his favorite movie series and where it went wrong. Uh, but speaking of where it went wrong, uh, Andrew, let's uh, let's talk about the show a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we wanted to tell you a bit about how this show came to be and what it's going to be about. We realized the title's giving you a little bit, which was the goal, but there's a lot to go. Uh, so before we jump into the uh, first episode, let's let's tell you how it's going to work. Yeah, so uh, as Andrew mentioned, he and I run Spitfire together with our good friend Michael Martin, who will be a frequent guest. He just had a baby this week, so... Uh, congratulations michael he had it yesterday actually yeah yesterday and so congratulations michael and tara uh new parents uh so yeah anyways we are both comedians who focus on comedy writing yeah so they offered us a show and said we could do anything we want you guys just go be funny which is so much pressure to put two overthinkers like us in charge of (laughs) It is. It's also like every comic's dream, though. So uh, we started talking about it, obviously, uh, with our work. We're big into pop culture. We love movies, TV. So we're going to talk about those things a lot. It's going to be a lot of the show. We also get like obsessively nerdy about a lot of stuff. I feel like that's a common trait for comics. Yeah, so I am a former uh, sports writer. I love sports. Uh, went to Alabama, so football's in my blood. Uh, big Grizzlies fan because I'm from Memphis. I am a huge sports guy. Uh, and so we're going to cover that. Andrew, he loves history. Uh, he wanted ways to cover that. Uh, I'm Catholic. Andrew's Jewish. We both love complaining a lot. Uh, so this is where we, that was it. It was, yeah, we, we, we wanted to find a way to cover all of this, to get all this great stuff in the show. And we thought, you know what? That's what we really love is complaining. What if we just complain about all of it? So uh, each episode, we're going to find a TV series, a movie saga, a historical lesson, a sport, some continuum uh, that was absolutely fantastic. We could not love it more. And then exclusively discuss where they completely ruined it. Yes. So pretty much the worst parts of the best things. And luckily, Almost all of our friends are comedians who are also uh, huge overthinkers and nitpickers. So uh, we're going to have some of them yeah. on the show, and it's going to be a great time. Yeah, I mean, that's it, guys. That's the show. That's Here's Where We Went Wrong. Uh, we're going to be here every single week to do this, and we hope you'll join us. Uh, and which brings us to this week, which is the worst of the Jurassic Park series. Now, before we get into that, we want to have a, a quick word uh, about our sponsors. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, features, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about his jewelry and gives you a chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Thank you very much, Wen. With that, I think we're ready to jump right in. Uh, so, Wen, tell us what you think about the Jurassic Park series. So, Andrew, I just want to start off with, I don't think a better blockbuster had been made than Jurassic Park when that movie came out. You had Spielberg at probably the top of his game, okay? You had John Williams doing the score, and John Williams has made the score to every movie series you love. If you can hum it, John Williams wrote it, okay? (laughs) So those two things combining uh, to make Jurassic Park, you had Michael Crichton, who author-wise, you could not get more 90s author 
than than Michael Crichton, yeah. who wrote this, and uh, he wrote Jurassic Park, he wrote Westworld, and he wrote the script to Twister. Uh, the man bleeds the 90s. So this was like a combination of everything to make a mega blockbuster in the 90s. That can't that can't yeah, be this, mis, that can't be misconstrued uh, or overlooked. No, I mean th- this is an incredibly dramatic statement that I actually completely agree with. That was it was fantastic. It was groundbreaking. It was a movie that like every time you see it on TV it's like, "Oh, well, I guess I'm not I'm doing sitting down and I'm watching do. Jurassic I'm just going to go watch Jurassic Park." Yeah. Right. So we love it. We love it so much. Uh Jurassic Park 2 obviously didn't live up to the first, but also you've got Jeff Goldblum now who at this point has decided he's going to stop acting and just be Goldblum 24-7. He's just doing Goldblum things all the time, always. And you know what? I loved it. I I like Jurassic Park, too. I don't care if the little girl beats Velociraptors by doing gymnastics. That is the (laughs) Jurassic Park 2 stuff that I love, okay? The, the the whole campsite thing where like the, the the raptors are jumping on buildings and going after them it's fun like like it's still directed by uh Steven Spielberg he knows how to make a fun movie he he absolutely does uh so Jurassic Park 1 we love could not love more Jurassic Park 2 can I just we're okay do, with can I just do one thing before we get into like the title of the absolutely. show absolutely uh so it can't be stressed enough that Jurassic Park was being filmed while right. Steven Spielberg was editing Schindler's List. And I just, I have to stress that because I cannot imagine going from the editing bay of Schindler's List to then walking out to a like an area filled with fake robot dinosaurs and being able to feel any joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the switch on that has to be so intense. And it's not like we were questioning Spielberg's immense talent before this. But I, I you mentioned this before, and I, I talked about uh, how Dolly Parton released those two huge hits. And I said, in the same year. And you're like, no, you no, know, no. They, they released all the songs in an album in the same day. <laughs> she wrote yeah, them no, both no. in the same day. Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You in the same day, a feat that has not been topped by any artist. But I will say making Schindler's List and Jurassic Park within a year of each other is close. It was it was way up there and it was it was not a fact I knew. And it's like I didn't I didn't need to love Spielberg more. I was already on board. But yeah, that was very impressive. So Jurassic Park 1, love Jurassic Park 2, we're good with. So here's where we went wrong. And uh, guys, we're going to use this name as kind of like a public service announcement. If uh, you are with a significant other who is making you listen to this and they just nudged you and said, that's the name of the show, you just go ahead and break up break with them. Up that's what them. we're here for. Just just leave them. If you're in the middle of a car, speeding down a highway, duck and, duck and roll is my best piece of advice. Uh, <laughs> you don't need that in your life. So... So that's it. We're we're uh, we're at your Spark Three. We we think this is the big issue. When? Uh, how about you give us a recap of JP Three? JP Three, Jurassic Park Three to the layman. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, eight years after the engine incident, Doctor Alan Grant is happy with his life, far from any dinosaurs other than fossilized. Unfortunately, he is extremely short in research money, and therefore accepts the author offer of wealthy businessman Paul Kirby, a low flight over isolated Isla Sorna where InGen's second research site was located, and Dr. Grant can fund his future research for a long time. 
What Dr. Grant didn't know is that Kirby just needs a dinosaur expert to help him and his wife find their 14-year-old son, Eric, who crashed on the island while paragliding. What he did suspect but never wanted to witness is that velociraptors have evolved into a communicating species and seemingly always had the capability to do so, now being smarter than primates. God, I love the drama. By the way, again, when and I are professional writers this is our job and we have opted to not write any of our own intros for these because we love the enthusiasm on imdb <laughs> no, no no that that was from imdb writer julian reichel so julian reichel if you stumbled upon this podcast and somehow made it to this point this is your reward you wrote a very solid description of jurassic park 3 for imdb good on you we are so proud Feather so here's your we get cap to... <laughs> So here's where we get to kind of the heart of the podcast. We're going to walk you through the movie uh, and discuss where it went the most wrong. We're going to try to give you an outline, but mostly discuss the scenes that just blew us away with their massive why-ness. So, when you want to give us the opening scene that set the tone for this disaster? So, first things first. This starts off with the Jurassic Park logo, and it ripples like water. To remind you of the scene in the first Jurassic Park where the T-Rex is stomping on the water, (laughs) and it does that. That's what they're trying to go for. Just be like, hey, just so you know, Jurassic Park 1 was a great film. And th- it's, we were those guys. We were the guys that did that one, and this is us too. Oh, no, I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, so they do that and immediately cut to uh, off, like 200 miles off of Costa Rica, off of I- Isla Sorna, the second engine location, where there is a rinky-dink, illegal uh, paragliding operation taking place. And by the way, like, they <laughs> it's clearly legal because... There are guards around this island who are going by in a boat because it's an island. And the boat captain is acting like they're hiding, except you're in the ocean. There, there, there's nothing to hide behind. There's nothing he to just hide behind. He to pass. And then he says, okay, go. And they release the parasail with this uh, guy and a kid. Uh, the kid is obviously going to come into play later. And uh, the guy is not his stepdad, maybe eventually would be the stepdad, is, is dating the kid's mom. And uh, the parasail opens. And when, what does it say on it? It says, Dino-Soar! So, so these are the guys that are sneaking around Dinosaur Island, and they blast their logo for everyone to see. Just, just Before worst, driving into a fog bank. The worst way to commit this crime uh, when you're trying to hide from the guards <laughs> is definitely not to have your business's name uh, broadcasted on the giant end of a parasail. But anyways, they drive into a fog, and the, the 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 boy and not dad look down, and like they exit the fog, and everyone who is on the boat is gone. <laughs> the boat, like the canopy is knocked down. We've got precision dinosaurs who are like, hey, maybe this boat is going to have a resale value. Let's just go for the people. There were dinosaurs that hopped on the boat, took the people, left the <laughs> boat, could not be discovered. The dinosaurs that did this never are going to come back into the plot ever again. Don't, we don't even know what they are. We don't need to know that something killed them and the boat is about to crash. And I guess forgetting how loose ropes are and that the crash will not ripple through to a parasail, this guy immediately starts to desperately try and get them released from the from the boat as if they couldn't just 
climb down and push it off the rocks later. Instead, they're going to land on the island. Yeah, they cut themselves free. They go off into the sky. They land in the island. And that is our setup uh, for them to be introduced back to our favorite character from Jurassic Park 1, Dr. Alan Grant. Alan Grant is there. He's with a toddler uh, who is playing with two, uh, you know, dinosaur figurines. And he is correcting him that those two dinosaurs would not be fighting because that is what three-year-olds care about. And uh, Yeah, he comes across like majesty. a huge asshole. <laughs> he does. It was a quick reintroduction. It was like, you know, remember in the first movie when you had him learn about kids, you could have kept some of that going. Uh, but no, instead they introduce the best part of the movie in walks Laura Dern. Laura Dern. And what is going to be the thing that makes me the most mad about this whole process is Laura Dern is in this movie for a grand total of like two or three scenes where this should have been an entirely Laura Dern outfit. It's as when I talked about this movie, we realized we came up with like five or six versions that would be better but most of them relied on just having Laura Dern play every role, like Cher when she did West Side Story. Look, if you could look back with like a 2020 lens, you have to think that these producers are killing the, like kicking themselves that they did not think to lock down Laura Dern as the star right. of this movie. <laughs> like, like what, was the last, what was the last thing you saw Sam Neill in? I love Sam Neill, but like I've seen so Laura much. Dern in like seven things in the past year, and she was great in all. She won an Oscar this year. Oh, she's great in everything. And still, my favorite Laura Dern thing is that when they put her in Star Wars, she could not fire the fake gun without saying pew. So you've got her mouthing pew along with the gun. And that is the main reason I want to see her more in Jurassic Park, because I want to see her mouthing the dinosaur lines along with them, just mouthing roar like it's a third grade play. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I love Laura Dern, but that is some elementary school acting bullshit where you're just saying everyone's lines. <laughs> You know, along it's with a little them. rough. I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and assume that everyone else is so bad that they're looking over to Laura like, look, you know what? You got a mouth that we're not going to remember. We're too starstruck by the Laura Dern here. I'm a fan of the Dern. I'm a big Dern fan, okay? Uh, so if I could have had this movie deep faked for Laura Dern to be the <laughs> Sam Neill character, I would have taken that in an instant. But still, you shouldn't be mouthing other people's lines. That's that's a good point. So instead of having Laura Dern, we have this quick tease where he's there with a kid. We think, oh my God, they've had kids together. And uh, then she says something about her husband's going to be home any minute. And her husband has basically one line where he says, I work at the State Department on foreign affairs, which, hey, you know what? That island's not part of America. That's probably going to come up later. Yeah, save and that. And then the husband goes to take pocket. care of a baby. Yeah, put that in yeah. your back pocket. That's going to come later. But anyway, so it uh, turns out Alan Grant still married to the job. He is not. Uh, yep. He is not the settling down type. Uh, instead, he goes back to his research facility where his assistant Billy is doing what I can only call like sexy archaeology. He, <laughs> he has a woman like looking at the bones. And he's like putting his hand on hers and says like, "Do you feel how smooth that is?" That bone. <laughs> it like was, it, <laughs> it was super creepy and also like. 
she's at a dig site. I get that she's a, a student, but she's got to be like a grad student. You don't need to take her hand and have her touch. But it was just blatant sexual harassment. You should not like assume that she doesn't know what bones are. She is an archaeology, at least a great grad student. Like you said, you don't have right. to like be on top of her and like putting her hand and just. I didn't like how he said like feel how smooth it is. I didn't like. I didn't it, like how it he was said creepy. It. He said it, it was obviously creepy. He said it in a way where, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I was aroused, but, like, that's still, <laughs> that's not how she should be taking it, you know? Right. You're at work, man. Get it together. Yeah, so, I'm so watching Billy... a movie. I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had issues with Billy throughout the whole thing. And, and the next thing, our, our next introduction to Billy continues here as, as Alan pulls up. Alan has given a speech. He's talked about how, uh, no, the bones matter, not not the uh, you know, the theme park monsters at Jurassic Park, these are the real things. It's like, okay, yeah, but like, they're, they're bones. You can only get so much, and we know it. Uh, so he tried to get funding, and he said, we've only got four weeks left, uh, and Billy speaks up and says, three. And at this point, Alan, for some reason, does not fire him, because Billy has spent a quarter of their budget. When, what does he spend a quarter of their budget on? He built, he didn't build, he bought a 3D printer. Uh, where he made like the vocal cords or uh, the, the, the resonating chamber the of resonating the raptor. chamber of a raptor to build what is essentially a whistle. It's a raptor whistle. It That's is a, all it is. It is a Duck Dynasty level raptor whistle <laughs> that cost a twenty five percent of their budget. It cost a quarter of their budget, and not only that, but there are live raptors if they wanted to hear how <laughs> how a raptor sounded so bad. It's and this is what this is like 2001. So he says it's a rapid prototype. Or it's the future of archaeology, and it was like cool. Maybe just call them and place an order. You, you don't need to to buy this whole thing. You could. You did not have to buy the entire 3D printer. You just kind of set up a time and go in there, and they'll they'll do it for you. Right. So instead, we have a, a full week less of work, but also a raptor whistle. Uh, at which point we see that uh, their potential savior comes along, some rich guy who wants to tour the island. William H. And, Macy. Uh, William H. Macy playing what? Paul Kirby, right? Paul Kirby. That's his name. Paul Kirby. Paul Kirby and his wife, Amanda Kirby, played by Taya Leone, show up. And uh, you can tell he's rich because he has round sunglasses and smooth hair. He looks like Doc Ock. <laughs> it's It's a lot... Of like, okay, th this is clearly a, a, a guy who we're supposed to pay attention to, but also you don't like him immediately. Uh, so they say they want to see the island. They got special permission to fly low because that's a thing. Uh, and they just need someone to point stuff out. So uh, then we cut around and we see mercenaries who are painting teeth onto a plane that they're then going to shoot with giant guns because you can't shoot anything else and just pretend it's a dinosaur. I'm going to be honest, a lot of these people are very bad with money. Like, Billy and these mercenaries <laughs> just kind of suck at managing a budget. You are wasting you are wasting planes and paint. It's a smaller expense, but nobody needs this. You know, why not pay attention? <laughs> so they're blowing up this plane. Uh, they're then going to fly to the island, obviously, because they're they're involved in this somehow. So they, they fly over with uh, Sam Neill. I mean, it's, it's Alan Grant, but... Go on, it's Sam Neill. And also Billy uh, comes along, which I feel like is a punishment for the building the whistle thing. 
<laughs> Billy, that's a good point. It probably was. So Billy, they actually never tell us what he does. We looked this up later and uh, found out that he's the dig site manager. But also Alan says something about he might want to switch majors because there's no money in this. So I guess he's like a grad student or a TA. They don't ever tell us, uh, but we can just guess and that's fine. TA so should not be plane. making that big of calls on how their budget is managed then. Sorry, I'm or, really hung up on this, like spending a quarter of their know, budget on that a whistle. Was, I I hate that the problem is with most of the worst movies is that they introduce how terrible it is immediately so we could spend our entire time on the first two scenes. But yeah, so he's there making whistles, sexually harassing students. Uh, they get on a plane with mercenaries. Uh, they ask, you know, where do you know the Kirby's from? And they say church. And apparently Sam Neill and Billy are now idiots because they're like, oh, yeah, church. Sure. Look, if they actually uh, did go to church that much, they wouldn't believe in dinosaurs. This would, <laughs> this would not be a thing. So anyways, they are flying. And we are introduced to the fact that Dr. Alan Grant has terrible PTSD from the first movie. Terrible. Because he takes a nap. And when he wakes up, there's no one on the plane. She's like, what's going on? Like, there's no, there's no pilot. There's nothing. And he turns to his left to find a velociraptor staring him down and the velociraptor says alan and then he and wakes that up is it <laughs> that is all the velociraptor this is the first point in the movie where i googled the budget because i thought oh okay well they couldn't have afforded to have an attack this had 30 million dollars more than the original jurassic park and they have indicated this by having a, a raptor just sit there and say a name. This is why we didn't have Laura Dern in more of this. I'm going to be honest. to give the raptor a cameo. They had to build that whistle. <laughs> they had to build that whistle. <laughs> that, was, that was where the money went. Imagine if that was it. It was like, no, we got to build this whistle in real life. It turns out it's a quarter of the Jurassic Park budget as well. <laughs> so he wakes up. Uh, they realize that they're, they're too low. And uh, they, they're talking about landing the plane. And they're like, you can't land the plane here and immediately they knock Sam Neill unconscious. So he's now been knocked out cold twice in the span of this one airplane ride. But also Wait, what a huge The first one was just asleep though. Yeah, right? first one was asleep, but still like he like that's two napping sequences for Sam Neill. <laughs> and also it's even more dramatic because you know he's dreaming about dinosaurs. You yeah, know exactly. he's reliving they're, his trauma. They're putting him back into his own personal hell. Uh, but here's the thing, though. He just kind of <laughs> says, don't land the plane, and they immediately knocked him unconscious. Like, it was such, like, a big jump. <laughs> right. It was it was just a huge overreaction. So he wakes up. They're on the ground, and they've got Taya Leone, who is uh, screaming the kid's name through a microphone. And uh, Alan Grant, Sam Neill, says she shouldn't be doing that. Because At the sound attacks, uh, attracts, you know, dinosaurs. You don't want to, like have them coming but then at least to let's be honest this is a great bit of what this was the best bit in it of william h macy going honey he says you're not supposed to do that and she yells back what and he goes you're not supposed <laughs> to do this it's just them yelling back and forth and it's and it's a solid bit it, it was a solid bit especially because it pointed out like exactly who these characters were. She yells back, do what? Like they believed the problem was megaphones themselves. And not it's, the it's loud not possibly the common trait between 99% of animals that they're attracted by sound or predators at least. It's like, no, it, it was very much the jerk where it, it was like, this guy hates these cans, <laughs> but it was megaphones. <laughs> 
So a, a Spinosaurus ends up chasing the mercenaries who went into the woods out of the woods. They're immediately just like, only one comes back. And he's like, leave him. He's a professional. And it's like, a professional what? <laughs> like, how is what he? What do you think he does that has him trained for surviving in the woods with dinosaurs? Like, don't don't even say that line. Just admit that you left your friend for dead and live with that cold right. fact in your heart for the rest <laughs> of your life. So he says. And at, at this point. They haven't even shown us the dinosaur. They see them running out of the, out of the woods. And it was like, this was this was like 10 minutes later and still the second point where I Googled to make sure the budget was more. Because I thought, oh, I guess they just can't afford dinosaurs in this one. So they get on the plane. They start flying. The Spinosaurus comes running out and just to- like kills the guy that runs out of the woods, knocks the plane over, tears off both wings and kicks these guys around like they're in a tube so that you could do like a cool like spinning tube shot as they yeah. like are rolling around. And then they all walk out of this this plane and they all have one cut on their forehead and <laughs> one cut somewhere else, which I guess is to indicate they're they're harmed, but they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the one cut on the forehead means like they're not getting coming out of this unscathed, but also no one is is hurt. That is like three head injuries for Sam Neill in the first 30 minutes of right. <laughs> So they're uh, they now have to run from the, this spinosaur and they're they're running through the woods. Uh, so they're down at this point. They they've lost. Although the, the spinosaur immediately eats one of the mercenaries. So uh, when I think you said this up as being like in a, the alien sequel, we thought this was going to be mercenaries. We yeah, thought I thought, this was I thought they were going to do like an aliens thing with this. I thought that it was going to be like a oh these mercenaries are going to come. They're going to shoot up the raptors and like the dinosaurs and you're going to have like a cool action sequence like that. No, the, the mercenaries are killed immediately. And then to show that this new dinosaur means business, they had t- the T-Rex, the antagonist. I say the antagonist really man's hubris <laughs> is the antagonist, but a good point, but for the fun of it, you know, the antagonist of the first two Jurassic Park films fights the Spinosaurus and the Spinosaurus just takes the T-Rex's neck and snaps it like a spy. <laughs> right, and we completely forgoing how all animals with teeth hunt. This has somehow, Spinosaurus has learned ninja technique here to silently kill its enemy while they uh, try and escape from the woods. The, these four of them left. Uh, we, we've got, what, the, the two Kirbys. Oh, no, five of them left. We've got the two Kirbys. We've got Sam Neill. We've got Billy. I keep forgetting about him because I hate him so much. And we've got one mercenary think, hey, maybe we're, he's going to be able to do something. So they quickly introduce that he is not. He says, uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm a booker, basically. I book mercenaries. But then one of them got sick. And I guess in this world, if a mercenary, a trained soldier gets sick, the guy that handles their books can just show up instead. He's probably an equal replacement. So so he's, he's a fraud. And so yeah. – and then it comes out that, that Paul Kirby – also a fraud he's not a billionaire he just owns a tile company and is there to try to save his son the paragliding boy from earlier in the film and so and also uh let's be honest billy is clearly in this for sex and not for science so we have three frauds uh, surrounding (laughs) dr alan grant and i gotta say though i'm gonna go back to the spinosaurus thing because uh What a, like, third-grade argument that you would have, like, about dinosaurs with kids. <laughs> Just be like, the T-Rex is even the toughest one. It's actually the Spinosaurus. 
<laughs> that was that was the thing in like every Jurassic Park movie was that like you know what's what's scarier is something bigger. <laughs> so let's just keep doing that every movie, which is when they brought it when they rebooted it or you know made the the fourth movie like ten years later. And it was like you know what we just got to start inventing new dinosaurs now because we went as big as we could. <laughs> so the Spinosaurus actually eats their supplies and now leads to kind of like a funny like like I'm gonna say Steven Spielbergian bit where now like. Yes. The dinosaur has a ringtone that goes off whenever he's nearby, like he's the crocodile in Hook. It, it was fantastic, and and when and this was might have been the most exciting part of our conversation because we we try to prep this a little bit but keep it a little bit loose. But when I both said, "Oh, like like Hook, it's a crocodile, right?" <laughs> so this was was very obvious. Like everything else in this movie, incredibly heavy handed and clear that Spielberg was not involved because he wouldn't have done this. So so they're all fighting each other. They're all like, "You're a fraud. You're a fraud." I went off of this island, and all of a sudden, like uh, the the wife bumps into a tree. And a skeleton yeah. falls out, and it's her Just boyfriend, and it's her boyfriend with the parachute, and she screams, and she runs away, and the Paul Kirby follows, and he's like, "I'm so sorry," and she says, "It's not that," <laughs> and it's like, "It's not the death of my boyfriend." Yeah, you can be upset about multiple things here. I understand you're still looking for your son, but like. Give this guy a break. He tried to be <laughs> a bad father to your kid, but he was trying nonetheless. Right. Like, also, like, you're taking somebody else's kid to go parasailing next to dinosaur. How many more points do you think this is going to get you than buying him a PlayStation? Just give the kid beer or something if you're going to be a bad <laughs> parenting figure in his life. Don't, like... There are easier ways to do this. This probably costs you thousands of dollars, but you know what? His girlfriend doesn't care because he comes up dead and she's immediately just like... It's not that that I'm upset about. Not that. It's the it's the kid. It's like, okay, again, well, maybe you need to work on your emotional depth here if you can be upset at what, only one thing at a time. But also, the full skeleton falls from the tree, uh, suggesting that dinosaurs have now are hungry but need to respect the integrity of the human form. They're just picking off yeah. bite by bite. Well, here's the thing. That kid is still out there, and he probably got <laughs> hungry. It's been eight weeks. I'm not – I'm assuming the kid probably had something to do with this. This is our second better version of Jurassic Park 3, where just the, the kid is, is Donner partying everyone that comes onto the island. Look, if, if this movie was now just the kid picking them off one by one with the help of dinosaurs. <laughs> How one, fantastic would that be? Such I would watch movie. that over and over again. I'd, I'd, I would it, only watch this movie. It's... Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. It's, it's imagine like you're all trapped on the island, and one guy's like, you know what? Maybe the dinosaurs got the right idea. They're running the island. They're running. <laughs> hey, just, look, let's, the U.S. Let's government give it a shot. The U.S. government gave them free reign of this island for a reason, and that's because they respect <laughs> them. Abs which is the message of the movie is like they they keep saying, well, you know, maybe eventually when the government decides what to do, like they're not going to immediately blow up the island. Like we realize it's, it's not a moral thing. It's just entirely what's going to be better press. But the better press is blowing up the island where people keep dying. People don't stop dying and they have one coast guard that apparently circles the island that doesn't really give a shit because like there's been an illegal <laughs> business. The whole business is that they take people to this island and they have like right. merchandise and things printed up, and yet they had a specially printed parasail. Obviously, they're they're making bank on this. They're They've making a, a lot, lot of money, and yet the government has not been able to stop them. So they're, see, they're not doing a good job. Here's the thing, though. My my commentary, my biggest issue with Jurassic Park had consistently been: there's no way people would be dumb enough to keep doing this. 
Um, but now it's 2020, and there's a pandemic, and they just opened Disney World. They opened Disney World. And people are going. They opened Universal. You could go to a fake Jurassic Park right now <laughs> that is probably now more deadly than the Jurassic Park presented Jesus. in the films. All right, so I, I owe an apology to the Jurassic Park franchise. Apparently, you nailed it. You knew humans better than we did. Congratulations uh, to Michael Crichton. You knocked it out of the park. <laughs> So they uh, they've now found the body. They they uh, need to look for the kid. Except Sam Neill is there, and it's like, cool. You guys lied to me about why we're on the island. What did you think was going to happen here? I'm going to get off. Um, and Paul, he says, you know, we're going to go to the beach because he, I guess, think that's a way off, uh, as if they're not surrounded by water. Uh, and Paul Kirby says, uh, we'll look for him on the way. <laughs> Just showing his complete lack of effort as a father here. It's like, yeah, if we find the kid, cool, but. You know, I'm not going to go out of my way here. Let's face it. He is not a good dad. You know who's also looking for a way to get off on the island? Billy. <laughs> that fucking pervert. I don't know. Billy. <laughs> Billy doesn't only do anything. Only dinosaurs, but still clearly horny. He doesn't He doesn't do actually anything horny throughout, but I, I've now had this image of Billy just being a terrible person in my head that in my, that I'm just like, yeah, he probably would be trying to fuck on the island that fucking <laughs> Billy was the most clearly painted character where from right at the beginning, you're like, oh, I don't like this guy. Except the problem was you weren't supposed to dislike him. You, you just did. He's actually supposed so. to be like the hero of the piece. And yet, <laughs> and yet I think he's a monster. So they find a facility Absolutely. where like all the, the raptor eggs and everything uh, where all the animals were made. And you see like these raptor eggs and then they get chased out by raptors as one does. It is a sure. Jurassic Park film. That's a given. But now, Obligation of the form. Got to do it. But now the, the raptors are like chasing them. Like they're hunting them, but they're just like, this seems personal. Like they, they act like, right. like, the, like they're, it's now like the raptors are doing it out of spite more than, than anything else. Right. The, the depth of the raptors' uh, intelligence is completely adjustable based on what they need for the scene. And earlier they, they'd actually uh, come across the river where there are a bunch of eggs around. And Billy was separated uh, earlier, they even make a reference about Billy's lucky backpack, uh, where he was inept and the backpack saved him. And it was like, this is not a heroic story. You, he was he was paragliding and crashed into a wall and the backpack saved him. It was like, cool, I'm not going to trust this guy with anything. He crashed into a wall while being in the open sky. Uh, <laughs> so he's got a backpack. He's alone. There are eggs. You know what happens. And now Billy's shown poor judgment throughout. He steals the raptor's eggs, and they are getting chased by raptors throughout the rest of the film. But here's the thing with the raptors. They set a trap where they (laughs) find the booker for the mercenaries, and they sever his spine so as to leave him alive and crying for help. But, like, the people, like, are just like, wait a second. And, like... The raptors are just like, ah, we almost got you. But it's just like, (laughs) the raptors severed his spine. Like, they paralyzed the man, but left it so that he could still scream for help. And, like, that's, how smart do we think primates are? (laughs) (laughs) They have this huge callback with the raptor talon, this close-up of it puncturing his spine, where it was like, raptors i guess now know human anatomy it's like I, I get animals have spines but you've got teeth you can just bite a leg off uh, but no they know which vertebrae to sever to allow him to continue to scream but not walk away it's it's really it's sadistic on and that lets you know it that was. this is personal this is not this is not just a meal for the velociraptors they are after their children which once again i'm like that is 
some high level intelligence from these velociraptors, right. but they end up the level of intelligence switches based on what they need for each scene. At some point you could easily think they're an alien species that have come down to pretend to be dinosaurs to figure <laughs> out humans. So they eventually, uh, they find the kid. He's been living off of the vending machines and in my theory, uh, the flesh of his Probably the flesh too, yeah. Uh, so that's how he's been surviving on the island. They have this weird discussion where they're like talking about like books that characters have oh, written God. about the first Jurassic Park and the second one. And like, they're like making commentary of just like, the first book was great, but the second was a little, eh. and I'm just like, don't be cute. This is the worst movie of the three. You can't talk <laughs> shit about Jurassic Park 2. Right. It was like Ian Malcolm, I think, thought in his other book, it, it was like he wasn't really Ian Malcolm anymore. It was like they might as well just handed him a, a copy of Jurassic Park 2 and said, hey, what do you think? What do you think of this one? Yeah, he might as well have just been holding up DVDs of the Jurassic Park <laughs> films and just been like, this one, great. This one, <laughs> Yeah. Jurassic Park 3, so heavy you're now. loving it, right? Uh, so <laughs> It was like that Spaceballs scene where they do that flashback where they're in the movie looking at the merchandise to try and figure out what was next to the scene. It was like they could have done that just as well. It was so heavy-handed. Spaceballs, great movie. Much, Fantastic. I, I wish we were talking about the Spaceballs series right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if they make a bad Spaceballs next, we can cover that. They, oh, Andrew, I have to tell you, they made a series of uh, cartoon and version of Spaceballs right, that is did. so bad. Anyways, back to Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. Uh, so they reunite the kid with the family. They're chased by the Spinosaurus, who has the, the ringtone going off in his belly. Of it's a bit. It's fun. Uh, and yeah. they eventually end up in what is essentially a giant pterodactyl cage. Uh and to me, I'm just like, there are no windows in this place. It was built for a zoo. <laughs> Who was this for? Yeah, this was very much like one guy was like, hey, you, you want to make some pterodactyls? And they're like, well, we need some place to keep them. And he's like, cool. I don't know how money works. Let's go all in, baby. Uh, no one is good with money in this universe. You cannot Nobody. make money off of these pterodactyls. They're hidden from the public, and they eat people, so you can't let people just walk <laughs> in. As a park, it is very poorly planned. And once again, I just got to say, uh, so the first Jurassic Park did not have the Spinosaurus. It didn't have the pterodactyls and everything. Uh, the other park does. So you're telling me that uh, on the second side has all the dangerous animals. The first one has like a few but not many so that means the original jurassic park was epcot <laughs> like this I mean, is I the magic kingdom like the that was round. epcot <laughs> that jesus okay yeah so it's going bad everywhere i assume this was like the staging ground where they get these dinosaurs here and they move them over to the other island but almost certainly knowing everyone behind this at some point they're gonna be like you know what we should do open up a second park on this loose island with everything running around. They were definitely going to open up a second park. It's yeah. nothing but money decisions that are bad all the way down. But uh, they get attacked by the pterodactyls. Billy uh, gets, or it's Billy. No, not Billy. What's the kid's name? Ah, uh, I don't know. The, the kid. The uh, kid. The kid in this movie, the son of Paul and Amanda Kirby. Is who named. actually was like one of the few good characters. He was actually smart. He was resourceful. When his dad showed up on the island and found vending machines, he tried to put a dollar in the vending machine. Like somehow, one, electricity worked, and two, the rules of society mattered here. Uh, the kid has obviously figured out you just take this. Nobody's coming back to the island. No one's coming back to like check on these vending machines. You did not have to do this. 
It just makes right. no sense. It was a bad call all the way down. Uh, anyways, his name's Eric, by the way. Eric. Uh, th- thankfully, I had this magic rectangle in my pocket that tells me all the information <laughs> in the world. Eric. So Eric gets kidnapped by the pterodactyls. Uh, the mother pterodactyls trying to feed him to babies. Uh, they ended up having stolen the parachute from the corpse from earlier. And Billy, who it is established, is a bad paraglider from his backpack story, is like, <laughs> yep. I got him. And in the funniest sequence in the film, like, glides down to Eric and then passes him. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. hold on, because he has to circle back around. And Incredible. Saves the kid, but in the in the 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 hubbub or whatever you want to call it, Billy uh fucking eats it. <laughs> <laughs> he lands in the river, the pterodactyls attack, and at this point we discover the people behind the movie do not know how much blood the human body contains because that river turns so red. It's just a so geyser, fast. just straight up uh, Johnny Depp getting pulled into the bed in a Nightmare on Elm Street level of blood. <laughs> it, it was so much. So like Billy's going, oh, by the way, at some point earlier, when Sam Neill realizes he stole the dinosaur eggs, he loses on Billy's. You're as bad as people behind this. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, he stole some eggs because you're broke. Maybe do a better job and he wouldn't need to. Like it was a bad decision on by Billy, but also... Everything Billy does is a bad decision. Yeah, you brought him here. You should have known that Billy was going to fuck up along the way. And if you didn't plan for that, guess what? That's on you. Fool me once, shame on you. (laughs) Fool me two to 12 times, then, you know. Right. So now Sam Neill is is recognizing that Billy sacrificed himself and he's remorseful. He's talking to Eric and he says he has this theory that all boys want to be astronomers or astronauts which suggests that if we had not seen the first movie, we would think that Sam Neill has never met a child before. Yeah, what is so I understand, like, the metaphor of just, like, uh, some people want to go to space and some people just want to look at the stars. And, like, he's... Sure. But kids don't have that kind of, more like, that worldview at all. All right. kids want and, to be and, astronauts. And when they get older, they decide that they'll settle for astronomy. Right. <laughs> So it, it was it was like the rest of the movie. It, it was awkward and heavy handed and didn't quite accomplish anything. So uh, he's sad about Billy's sacrifice. He he forgives him, even though Billy's not there to accept it. Um, so now they're back to find their way off the island. Uh, they, of, of course, get separated because that keeps happening. Of course. Uh, always. It's a Jurassic Park yeah. <laughs> film. Everyone has to go off on their little tangents. Have a good time. Right. So they they find each other there. Uh, they're on a boat now because they've landed in the river, the same one that is bright red with Billy's blood uh, <laughs> <laughs> and are sailing and say, well, we just got to get to the beach uh, again. Just thinking, I, I don't know. Again, the opening scene, they're 206 miles from Costa Rica. They get to the ocean. They're still at the ocean. They give us the uh, distance. And, right. And, and Eric helpfully points out that the big dinosaurs are by the beach as if they're not being hunted by raptors smaller dinosaurs that are by far more deadly, but they just want you to think bigger is deadlier. So they're, they're on the boat. Uh, they're going through and we have another one of those scenes that Jurassic Park movies do so well, where like they come out of the river and they see all the, the dinosaurs of just like the John Williams score plays and you see all right. the herbivores and you're like, Oh yeah, I remember what I liked about the first movie. And the reason why is because it's like the exact same scene when they see the dinosaurs in the first movie, like same music, same dinosaurs. In fact, <laughs> That was a problem. They have these few good scenes and that, that score plays and it's dramatic and it's it's emotional. And it's overwhelming. And you think, 
oh right, but they just they just did the scene from the first one. Yeah, you know, it's like I, a, I like it makes me remember that I like the first one. Doesn't no, I have like a this Pavlovian one. response to the Jurassic Park theme music, oh, where I'm just absolutely. like I'm watching a good movie right now. <laughs> right. So they're they're sailing away. They hear the ringtone um, uh, consistently. Listen, no, and then at some point they hear it, and the dinosaur is is not there, which means oh, the the phone came out, and they say. Um, it's got one charge or a left charge for one phone call, suggesting that they know the effect that a dinosaur's digestive system has on a cell phone battery from 2001. Not only that, but this phone call that they end up making lasts for like five minutes to makes me think that Sam Neill believes that phones are like the energy works by the call and not the length <laughs> of time of use. Yeah, so they're they're sailing. The Spinosaur again attacks, and they've got the phone, which means it's no longer in the Spinosaur, so they don't know it, it's coming. So he calls Ellie, uh, whose son answers, uh, to add completely unnecessary drama. Where you instead of being attacked by dinosaurs, you have to be stressed to figure out if a kid knows how to deliver a phone. Uh, and of course, he's distracted by Barney on the TV. I guess to try and again so overstated show us the dichotomy of dinosaurs maybe <laughs> some dinosaurs are good some are bad it's part of uh, nature versus nurture and clearly the dinosaurs on the island didn't have a good home that, that's it so eventually of course the phone gets to uh to ellie while they're being knocked around on the boat it gets hung up and they call back because i guess now it has two charges uh they're in a cage i guess that was on the back of the boat that's sinking so he has enough time to yell the island name and like the river as if that's enough information for it to be found. Uh, and then like 10 minutes later, <laughs> the it's, entire it's... U.S. military shows up. Well, not only that, but before the military shows up, they escape the Spinosaurus. It's daylight. There's like, they're, they're on land. Time. Yeah, and daylight. then all of a sudden they get surrounded by the raptors. And the raptors, the raptors, right. the raptors now want their eggs back. So like they have this weird, like Mexican standoff situation where it's just like, yeah. Like that, raptors are like negotiating for their eggs. Right. He said, like, to hand it to them earlier. He says, well, we can't just get rid of the eggs and they'll still hunt us. So they think they're going to do some sort of hostage negotiation here. Uh, well, so thank God for Billy because he's created a raptor whistle. Uh, and some point in this timeline, without ever using it, Sam Neill has figured out how to mimic their sounds in a way that lets him communicate messages in a language he does not at all understand. Yeah. Like, Duck calls, I don't think I'm actually, like, speaking to the duck to, like, <laughs> come to me. It's a duck sound. It's just right. the we're, sound we're of a duck. It's it's not, like, right. I'm not able to actually communicate. So, like, Sam Neill apparently understands raptor language and can speak it fluently. He just lacked <laughs> the proper whistle beforehand. Exactly. So, suddenly, I mean, I guess Billy has now proved his value, but entirely accidentally. Uh, so... Paul Kirby tells him, no, use the call from earlier when they were calling for help, as if the raptor's staring at him, making the sound, is thinking, oh, they're gonna, they want help. Must not be the people that stole my eggs that I wanted to murder four seconds ago. So, of course, they, ha they have the trade-off, uh, and the, the whistle works. The savior of this movie was, was a whistle. God, that makes me angry every time I think about it's it. So, it's so infuriating that Billy was right and that we're the assholes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, they, uh, They've traded with the Raptors for their lives. They're at the beach. The entire U.S. military shows up. In fact, they even say that it's the Navy and the Marines. You have to thank her now. She said the Navy and the Marines. To, I guess, just hang out vaguely next to the island at all times. They were going to nuke that island. They were going to nuke that That's island it. any day now. 
So, uh, which brings us back to the very obvious callback of, oh, Ellie's husband from the State Department. It was like, yeah, dude, we figured this out when you introduced him, that this was going to be relevant. Yeah, and when Ellie was your one phone call, like my... (laughs) Yeah, like my platonic female friend is who I need to call. Right. We even have a conversation with Eric earlier about, have you told her about, you know, how important she is, how much he's helped you? He's like, no. It's like, oh, okay, cool, because now they're, now they're going to do that. So the military has shown up. They get on the helicopter, and Billy is there with, like, a scratch on his arm. He's got a couple of bandages, but also must have carried 10 to 15 times the amount of blood of the average human to be this fine. Yeah, they should, like, I hope the military had, like, tons of blood bags in there, because he should be, by all accounts, very dead. Very dead. There's And, and he's there, and, and Sam Neill and him have this, you know, heartfelt, like, oh, hey, I forgive you for almost getting us killed, because you almost died. Yeah, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, I'm sorry for yelling at you for the, the dumb whistle. It actually saved our lives. It was worth the quarter of our budget. We do have to talk about the other three-fourths from the sexual harassment claims that are going on <laughs> about you, Billy. Uh, but no, glad you're alive. So they ended up, uh, family reunited for some reason. They're implying that, uh, Paul Kirby and his wife are going to get back together. And it's like, this is purely, this is trauma induced recovery. You know, like they know there's not going to be another movie with them because we know they're going to break up within a year. Like even the kid, when they, when he finds out they're on the Island together, says, Oh, that's, that's bad news. Yeah. That's uh, that's not going to work out because that they're not a they're not a good couple they're they don't they're not good individually they're not but they're good. worse together exactly but it's just like oh they're gonna get back together and it's like no like she like he's still not gonna do the dishes and she's gonna still resent him for making her give up his dreams so he could uh, open up a tile factory like this is not <laughs> this is not going to be born into a very healthy she just found out that her boyfriend was dead like a few right. hours ago no, there's no way this is going to going to last. And uh, so they're they're flying off of the island, uh, and next to them the pterodactyls are flying because earlier, as they leave the giant pterodactyl cage, uh, Amanda Kirby does not close the door, like she doesn't she doesn't go back and double check the door just she pushes it. She left she it open. Her. The the pterodactyls got out. They're now flying next to the plane, going back to civilization, and it's all by all intents and purposes uh there's now an invasive species and they're able to go anywhere and i thought this was like a big hook for like the sequel where like they right. would be attacking, this is hugely problematic where they'd be attacking like new york city but no we don't get another jurassic park film for like 13 years <laughs> and they never reference this like they're all pointing out the window like oh pterodactyl like, a man kirby says they better not come to oklahoma like the first reference of oklahoma it's like one you didn't beat the dinosaurs you barely survive this and two are you not at all concerned about everything you've established in the movie about how bad it is that these dinosaurs exist but it's like oh no let's just you know wave to the dinosaur kids i'm sure this isn't going to be a massive problem yeah she definitely comes across like she thinks that her and the dinosaurs have a vendetta against each other and it's like you are nothing to them they are going to find a food source and it's probably going to be like an elementary school (laughs) (laughs) yeah it, it is a horrifying ending that is supposed to be softened by the fact that they're waving at the dinosaurs uh and and not at all concerned so that is where they went wrong with jurassic park 3 mistake after mistake all the magic of the first one only happening when they played the score from john williams uh so 
that is us having shit on the movie for a solid hour. We are now moving to what is going to be a weekly segment called In Their Defense, where one of us, uh, hopefully not me on this one, uh, has to actually defend Jurassic Park 3. And you know what? Andrew. Andrew, give us your best defense of Jurassic Park 3. I am coming at this from a unique angle here, and that angle is Sam Neill made a suit. (laughs) Sam Neill. This is what you're going with? This is what I'm going. I'm committing to this. (laughs) Bear with me. Sam Neill has sheep. He sheared the sheep. He did whatever you do to turn that into thread and fabric. He made a suit that was so fantastic. He studied on Savile Row. And my basic thought is, you know what? Maybe Sam Neill knows better than I do. Maybe I should just trust that Sam Neill is right. So instead of like focusing on like the John Williams score and those kind of redeeming moments, you decided that Sam Neill has taste. And if he agreed to be in this film, that it has to be good because he's a man of taste. That's your... Look, the John Williams score was from the first one. All of the good stuff was from the first one, which I I think does give a little bit of... No, no, all you're saying is that the good stuff for this movie is something you saw on social media about Sam Neill 10 years (laughs) after the fact. It it is hard to argue case for this movie, so I'm suggesting that maybe I'm just wrong. But uh, look, ultimately, all of the good stuff from the first one, that, that was the problem, was that the first one was so good. If this was the first dinosaurs living on an island attacking humans movie, it would have been campy. It would have been surprising and, and cute and not bad and fine to watch. The problem was just overshadowed by an incredible movie. They just should have stopped earlier. But as people running from their lives from dinosaurs, it wasn't terrible. So if this was the first movie in the Dinosaur Island series, you'd have been just like, this movie was great. This is exactly what I wanted. Not great, but I would have watched it and pointed it and been like, oh, hey, that's not too bad. Okay, so the, the two problems, uh, the two redeeming factors are Sam Neill made a suit, and yep. if you squint hard and pretend it's not a Jurassic Park movie, uh, you could have a good time. So that that's where we're going to end I love up on this that. segment. Yeah, this, this segment is fantastic. Look, I, you, you know what I believe. I am defending this in the most creative ways I can here. Yeah, this you definitely got creative movie. with that, Andrew. You definitely yeah. got creative <laughs> with it. Uh, all right, so but, that is Jurassic Park 3. How do you think we did? I had a great time. I mean, I hope you guys uh, listening enjoyed it, but uh, we are going to be here every week doing this, talking about some of our favorite things and the worst part of them. When, how about you? What'd you think? I had a fantastic time too. Uh, I'm really glad we're doing this. Uh, I'm glad that I now have no reason to watch Jurassic Park three ever again for the rest oh, of yeah, my life. Oh yeah, we're done. Uh, so we're going to be back next week talking about uh, one of my favorite series, uh, the 1989 through 1997 Batman films and where those went wrong. Uh, so you might have a pretty good guess on that, but Hey, uh, Come and give it a listen. Let us uh, dick around about this movie for a little bit and uh, let you forget that you're locked inside your home. Absolutely. And thank you guys for listening. And we will be here every week. We'll hope you'll join us. Please let us know uh, your favorite series, the parts you hate about them. If you have any ideas for episodes, if you have any comics you want us to book, we're going to have a lot of comedians here talking very passionately about some very terrible stuff. So uh, let us know what you think. And we hope we'll see you back next week. Hope to see you all then. Talk to you later, Wen. Good night. Bye.